The decision hasn't come lightly. I mean, I have, for the sort of last 10 years, wanted this. Worth every shot with Yaz. I kind of did hope that in my 30s I might meet somebody, but it hasn't worked out that way for me. On today's podcast, we are going to hear from an amazing lady called Sarah Kowalski. Now, Sarah is the author of the book Motherhood Reimagined, as well as being a life coach for solo mums by choice. And I also want to start today's podcast by thanking the people that have been amazingly supportive after hearing my quest to become a solo mum by choice, a journey that I started back in June 2020. And after the introductory webinar and after lots of thought about the journey I was about to embark on, it was a trip back to Scotland to tell my mum my plans. Now, as a side note, my mum has been getting a lot of love after she appeared in episode two of my podcast and I was absolutely touched by her words and I'm ever so grateful for her and her support. Now having vlogged my journey and sharing some excerpts of the vlog on my podcast, this instalment is no different. So picture the scene, I have travelled to Glasgow after not seeing my mum for six months thanks to lockdown and I was making the journey to share my news with her and after I did, I took myself into the bathroom of my mum's one bedroom flat to record this. So this was me telling my mum what I decided and she didn't really know much about the whole process so I had to talk her through that and uh, she's she's really, really excited for me. Really, really happy. So that's good. I know I kind of knew she'd be like that anyway. And um, I let her hear uh, a couple of stories online about people that have done it and gone solo and had a baby on their own. Um, well, consciously got in and made that decision and went to a fertility clinic and, and the like. So, the spooky thing, right, this is really weird. So, we were chatting away about it and I played her this interview and she said, Stop the interview, stop the interview. Oh, okay. Stop the interview and she said, There's a page out of a book on the living room floor beside me. And my mum said, like, oh no, that is really strange. And she's not one to believe in coincidence, right? So she said, that's really strange. She said, I was looking for that page because she's lied in this book to her friend and that page is missing. She can find the page and it's towards the end, it's page 308. And the book, <laughs> is called The Cradle Will Fall. And it is about doctors and seminary women. I thought that was really, really strange. That she said, where did that page come from? I said, I have no idea. We couldn't understand where it came from. It was just sitting on the living room floor in my mum's flat beside me. <laughs> I said, my mum's really happy for me, so that's good. And I am going to my brother's today for a barbecue. And I'll be probably telling Nick, my brother, and um, his girlfriend my decision. Well, as you can imagine, there were more questions to be answered while barbecuing at my brother's that day. But now here to answer some of my questions is author of the book Motherhood Reimagined and solo mum by choice mentor Sarah Kowalski. Sarah, I think uh, some people might think the decision to become a solo mum by choice is a light one and it really isn't. I know myself, it took a lot of thought and a lot of counselling that I went through uh, with my fertility clinic. Implications counselling was something I had to do beforehand. But talk us through your thought process on the run-up to starting your very own journey. Sure, yeah. Um, and thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I think it is, you know, it is a very difficult choice and I think women spend a lot of time thinking about it um, in most cases. And in my situation, I was kind of, I had been an attorney, I had been, I had quit practicing law and I was, um, 
I had spent a couple of years like really focused on trying to find a partner and sort of like doing a lot of introspection and like, what is there something I'm doing? Is there some way I'm showing up? I had spent, I was really focused on the relationship. And then like a mentor of mine was like, Hey, you're 39. You might want to start thinking about whether or not you want to have kids. And I just felt like completely blindsided because I had been so focused on the relationship piece and as a child had been very, very, very focused on kids. But I feel like I had really lost that clarity around wanting kids because I had basically decided that I wanted to find a partner and then together in partnership, we would decide whether or not we wanted kids. Um, And I think that's actually something I did because I was scared of like scaring men off for like being super baby focused and kind of had this like bias that like men, men aren't the one who really want kids. It's Mm -hmm. women who do. And then if I was like too upfront about really wanting kids, I'd scare them off. So I think it was this very bizarre sort of mental gymnastics that I did. Um, But so then I started. So when my teacher said this to me, I kind of at first kind of balked at the idea of thinking about it. And then within a few days, I was like, oh, he's right. I need to think about this. Um, But still at 39, I was like, I got plenty of time. Like my fertility is going to be fine. Um, And so started thinking about like, did I want to have a baby and really trying to like uncover that piece of the puzzle for me. And then when I sort of re reconnected to that desire to have a kid, then I felt like it was like, okay, do I want to have a baby if it means doing it alone? Um, And we can talk more about, you know, I think there are sort of these common things that women, all women kind of ask themselves. And I think broadly speaking is like, can I afford this? Um, Like, can I handle it? Will, am I really ready to give up on finding a partner and sort of that dream fairy tale scenario. Um, And then I think there's a lot of concerns about like, am I going to be single forever? If I end up doing this alone, I know that was a huge one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, then concerns about the kid, like, is the kid going to be okay? What does this mean for them? Um, And those sorts of things. So I feel like I went through all of those. It took me like a year and a half. Um, And then eventually, sort of in that last six months of that, realized I did do some like initial fertility testing and found out that my AMH and FSH and all of that were like basically consistent with um, pre-menopause or perimenopause. And so then I kind of had to then also add to the equation, like, did I want to have a kid if it meant um, using an egg donor? And I felt like I really had to keep all of those questions really separate from each other. Sort of like, did I want to be a mom? Did I want to be a mom if it meant doing it alone? And then did I want to be a mom if it meant using an egg donor alone? Um, And finally kind of came to terms with all of those and ended up deciding to use an egg donor in Mexico and got pregnant on my first try. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Got goosebumps there, Sarah. (laughs) Well, I know. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, that's it. You've, you've covered quite a lot of it. Some of the things that yeah. you know you do have to consider before we're going down the route of becoming a solo mum by choice. And uh, you mentioned something that I I thought about when you said, you know, you're right. You don't want to sort of when you're dating on the dating scene, so you don't want to broach the subject about kids. But like you see, you sort of have to. You're right when you said, you know, you're always worried you're going to scare guys off when there's mm-hmm. plenty of men out there that, that are thinking the same way. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I think also once you kind of hit a certain age, 
uh, men are like, oh, I think they've mm-hmm. kind of clued into like the biological clock. And yeah. I do think there's like a bias now. And men are like, uh, if 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 he wants kids, he's like, well, I need to be dating someone younger than you because it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So I just think, or like, oh my God, we're going to have to rush into kids so quickly and we're not going to be able to give the relationship time. So I feel like it's, it's a really, really tricky, you know, sort of those late 30s, early 40s can be a very, very tricky time for dating. And not not easy at all. No, it really isn't. And and how have you supported people like me that are you know going down the route of trying to become a solo mum by choice? Yeah, sure. Well, so I'm a life coach, and I um have been working with women for about eight years, basically since I kind of started my journey. I had been a coach prior to um, when I quit law, I became a life coach, and so when I started this journey for myself, it kind of was like, oh my god, this makes so much sense to. Like, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. So I work with people individually. um, And then I also have groups. And then I also do like a membership community. So just trying to get people to connect um, and realize that they're, I think a lot of people have this kind of sense that like, they're the only ones thinking this Mm -hmm. or doing this. And it's like not until, and I know for me, like when I first met other single moms by choice, and it kind of normalized it and made me be like, oh, they're awesome <laughs> women who aren't losers who just can't find a partner who are doing this. Like, oh, I guess doing this alone doesn't mean I'm a loser. Um, but I think so. But I do think there's also this these common concerns that kind of come up for everyone. Um, those ones I mentioned, kind of that financial, the um, concern for the well-being of your child mm-hmm. Um, can I handle it? Am I ready? That kind of thing. So working through with women either by talking to me and I'm familiar with a lot of research that kind of shows that like the kids are fine. It's not like something you don't want to think about. You obviously do need to be mindful about your choices around using a donor and how you're going to language with that around your kids. Um, But there is a lot of research that suggests that kids do just fine. Um, As long as they've, they've things have been open and out in the clear and out in the open. Um, So kind of just working through each of these concerns, trying to figure out, you know, what is the sticking point? What is the assumption that they are making about any of these given topics and kind of getting them to, um, play devil's advocate with themselves or I'm playing devil's advocate with them. <laughs> and then I also think just hearing how other women have reconciled and kind of work through various topics. It's like, it's, it's amazing the power of what that helps women because they're like, Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Or just being like, Oh, it's okay to think about it this way. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it can't be uh, the power of sort of communication, community in this um, while you're going through it can't be kind of understated. Oh, you're so right. I, I must admit, like coming together with other people that are going on similar journeys, it's just really, really helped me. So you're so right. I mean, because yeah. you think you're on your own and you do feel quite lonely because, you know, if there's other people going down sort of fertility journeys, but they're maybe going down that fertility journey with a partner and that's hard in itself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just it's lovely to have that sort of uh, support network. So it really is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then I think one of the other things I do when I work with women is really kind of working on mindset. And it's like 
trying on the idea that this could actually be a really awesome model. Like it doesn't have to be a second choice or that you kind of couldn't figure it out the traditional way. So you only option is this, but really like, what if this is a great model for some women? What mm-hmm. if like not having to ever have a custody battle and to be able to like have your kid focus on your child and then search for partnership that kind of works for you and your kid um, as you, as your child has like joined you in the world, but where there more than likely would never be a custody battle. Like maybe that's an awesome way of going about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you can kind of just switch your mindset from, you know, this being a negative kind of like, woe is me or like, I didn't want this, but like, oh, maybe this is an opportunity. And maybe this is actually like a really amazing, empowered choice to be making that might be has enough um, pros and cons that it's, you know, worth pursuing and feeling really awesome about it. That's it. And it's funny you say that as well, because I've, how I sort of came to terms with it, you know, because you have to, well, I, I sort of touched at the start that I did implications counselling uh, through my fertility uh-huh. clinic and um, the counsellor had said something about like, you know, I said I've accepted I'm not going down the traditional route, you know, the conventional route. And uh-huh. she said, but I want to know how you've accepted it. And funnily enough, I did sort of look to people that have got maybe, you know, they've got together with somebody, they're not together now, they're doing they're going through that custody battle. I thought, do I really want, I don't want that. I don't want that. So yeah. it kind of yeah. helped me and it did help change my mindset. And, um, you know, I'm now in my 40s. I, I, the, the, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm, I'm not going to meet somebody and, and go down that route and have, have a baby with somebody. But that, do you know what? It's funny. Now I don't want that, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I never thought I'd ever say. So, you know, I really didn't, you know. I've watched too many yeah. Disney movies. Like, I don't want, you know, I did want the fairy tale. Of course I did, like anyone else. But I've got to that acceptance. And it's such a good feeling when you do sort of shift your mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to do because mm. everything we're fed from society, you know, from the earliest age is that like partnership is the be all end yeah. all and that you will be a lesser human in society if you're not partnered. Um, so I think it's it's really hard to get to that place. Yes. But I also think, you know, I think a huge myth is that if you choose to do it alone, you will end up alone. And um You know, I think a lot of women do end up alone, but by choice after having their kid because they see partnerships so differently afterwards. And I think it's like, oh, I didn't even realize how much I was wrapping up into partnership. And now that I have my kid, I'm like so happy and fulfilled. Um, But I also I always tell women, I think the women who still yearn for that connection Um, they find it. And it's not like you're this pariah. I actually think it's easier than dating in your late 30s when that biological clock is ticking. Yeah, the pressure's off. Asking (laughs) that question. Yeah, exactly. But that's it. You're right. You you feel the pressure's slightly off because, you know, when you you go down, you you maybe um, successfully had your your child on your own. You can still date. It's not that you're saying, I don't need a man, I don't want a man. You just, it's just, you get to a certain stage of your life. And and it was Natalie and Brulia, the singer, she's a solo mum by choice. Mm. And I think she was 45, 46 when she had her her wee baby. Mm. And um, I remember her saying, she was on a podcast, podcast talking about it and she'd said she's coming from the stance of I don't need a man not I don't need a man with that just I just don't need it you know she got to that stage in her life where you know she she realized she doesn't need a man but it's not that she doesn't want a man later down the line but you you know that that's the biological clock again taken away and she just had to make that decision and I I suppose I I kind of relate to her 
a lot as well mm-hmm. and, and, and things that you've said as well has been really really helpful um, I like as well you, you course some of the myths on your Instagram when it comes to doing this mm-hmm. journey on your own uh, can you talk us through some of them sure um I think another one is, yeah, that you're somehow like defected goods or (laughs) which I kind of touched on before, if you can't do this in partnership. And I think it's just, you know, I do think it's a great model. And I think even we should be like approaching it as, you know, young women should be given the option of like, okay, do I want to have kids in partnership? Do I want to have kids alone and find partnership afterwards? Do I want to be child free? Like, what do I actually want? And having it be something that is not this last ditch effort, sort of like feeling like you failed. And so you're going for this. Um, I think another one, like I know, like getting over that hump to use the sperm donor. I know for me, that was also a huge thing was like, oh my God, they must be losers and rejects of society as well. Um, And, you know, the sperm donor industry is not without its own issues. But I don't think like, when I finally got on and looked at sperm donors, I was like, Oh, they're like, cool people. And <laughs> like, they're not that bad. So I think there's a lot of um, yeah, I think it's a really hard one to get over to be able to use a sperm donor. And harder for some women than others. But I don't think they are by and large, you know, like, des- so desperate. And this is the only thing they could do. I think they are by and large, pretty cool people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a huge one I would say is that you uh, people write to me all the time and say, like, I just want to feel certain about my choice before I move forward. And I just don't think there is certainty. <laughs> I mean, I think once you have your kid, you're like, oh, okay, this was the best thing I could have ever done. But I think when we're leading up to it, women want to like not have an ounce of doubt. And I just don't think that's realistic. I think our brains are wired to constantly bring up doubts and fears and that kind of thing. So I think you have to listen really closely to those moments of certainty and kind of what is the equation and why are you feeling uncertain in that moment? And then also kind of tracking like when does doubt come up? And recognizing that it's kind of a normal part of the process. And on a certain level, you have to just develop a bandwidth for kind of dealing with that doubt. It's like you have to trust, like, I just spent a year of my life talking to people, reading books, you know, going to counseling, working with a life coach to get okay, like, to feel like, okay, I feel certain I can do this or feel like I feel like a reasonable um, ability to figure it out, that kind of thing, you know, it's like, but you're not gonna, those doubts are never going to completely go away. I don't think, I don't know if you've experienced the same thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cycle yeah. Mm-hmm. Through certainty and doubt. <laughs> and, that, and that's where people like you and, 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 and that support network have come in really, really really handy really in depth you know even to mm-hmm. the, the, the clinics have been the clinic I, I go to been fantastic as well you've got uh, found a knowledge on your website as well what, what's your website address and how can people like, read more on your website uh it's motherhoodreimagined.com and yeah and my book i also have a book and a podcast and those are both motherhood reimagined as well so it's pretty easy to find yeah i love it love the name of the book as well and uh, you know, what was your kind of objective when you kind of start writing the book motherhood reimagined Sure. I I mean, initially, it was me trying to process what was going on. I it was so incredibly difficult and 
really, I mean, I feel like there's no other word, but like complete anguish. <laughs> and um, I really, partly with like the help of my mentor, like wanted to make something of it. Like this, these, like, it just felt like this massive life trial. And I was like, okay, well, what, how can I actually learn something from this and um, come out actually like a better mother? Like, how could I use this to actually be like working on anything that maybe is unresolved around becoming a mother? I did not have the best relationship with my mom. So there was lots to work on. (laughs) Um, And so it really became me like processing and like really like through writing, getting some clarity. Um, And then I was in a writer's group at the time. And someone there in the group was like, Oh, did you this is a book like you need to make this into a book. So I kind of continued to be writing as I was going through it. And then I felt like I really had I really had worked through a lot of things and resolved a lot of aspects that I felt like this is universal. Like these are the things that most women, obviously there's my flavor in it, but the most women who are going through this process have to contend with and kind of grapple with. And so I really wanted to make it kind of like, it's my story, but it's written in a way of like, I think allowing other people to kind of go through my thought process and kind of come out the other end with the same kind of clarities that I did. So really to help people with that. Um, And a big one also, I feel like my other kind of manifesto in life is getting people comfortable with using a donor egg, because I think um, there's so much fear that you're not going to bond with the child or that there's going to be something lesser than or you're always going to wonder about having a full genetic child um and my experience is that it's just completely a non-issue and so that's another kind of message I wanted to put out both in my book and in my podcast of like okay look there's this it feels so incredibly devastating all of it it's like we're constantly reimagining constantly having to let go and reformulate a new plan, a new idea, a new vision. Um, But if you can keep doing that, you can really find peace and find joy, I think. That's it. It sounds to me like, you know, your book was quite therapeutic for you as well, but I mean, I've read reviews. People are are so grateful to you for just, you know, Mm. writing. Again, it's, it's, I find just reading more and more about other people's stories so, so helpful. Uh, your mm. book, um, Motherhood Reimagined, fantastic. There's another one, Going Solo. Just all these kind of mm-hmm. books have really, really helped uh, people. And, mm-hmm. and, and, he, and, and it's so it's been talked about more. We've got like a magazine program here, and and well, it's based in England, and it's it, they've had guests on and stuff talking about you know being a solo mum by choice, and it's just lovely getting this out and you know bringing a subject like this to the forefront and, and, and getting people to talk about it more and more yeah. and, and bring it bring a, a normality to it so and I'm really grateful you, you're doing that in your book as well really really is great awesome yeah I agree I feel like it's the way well not and we're not going to take over the world but I think it's just <laughs> becoming more and more common and more accepted and I think that's I think it's wonderful that's great. Listen, thank you so much for joining me on uh, today's podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah Kowalski. You're my pleasure. It was um, really fun. 
It was really fun and some wise words from Sarah Kowalski, a solo mum by choice mentor and author of Motherhood Reimagined. And thank you so much for listening today. And if you or you know someone that might want to share their story and join me on a future episode of Worth Every Shot, then please do send me an email. Just send it to yaz at qradio.com. Worth Every Shot. 